Our journey begins at the communion table, for it is impossible to make our way on the journey without starting right here. For the Bible tells us that Jesus, knowing all things, in total submission to the Father, sits down with his disciples and he has what we know as the Last Supper. I think what is interesting is that Jesus was a carpenter. That's what his father was, and so his earthly father, Joseph, and that's what he became. And it's interesting, I can only imagine that as he laid at the table, for in our American culture, when we speak of a table, we think of chairs that surround a table. And when some translations say that he was seated, we think he was sitting on a chair. But in the biblical times, and the reason for the washing of the feet was that they would recline and one of their elbows would be on a pillow as they reclined and participated in the meal. And so that's why we read John was laying at the breast of Jesus. It was a place of intimacy. And so here was Jesus who was a carpenter looking at the table and knowing the intricate designs of it because he himself as a carpenter, I'm sure, had made many tables in his life. But this table was different. This was divine decision. So look at the table, look at the table. And so he then takes the bread and he breaks it. And he's sharing with his disciples a very intimate moment in his life. And he says, this is my body. And throughout his three and a half years ministry, he said some profound things that his disciples just couldn't comprehend. But John writes that I was a witness to it. And that what I'm telling you is of a truth that we may believe. Amen. He takes his body and he, he breaks it as a symbol and, and the wine he takes as his blood. And, and how many of you know that we can never get past the blood? That we can't start this journey without speaking of the blood. Amen. Right. Amen. And so although we look at the table and we see the symbolism that's going with the body and the, the blood of Jesus, I think that it is so important as we declare that we believe to say with such conviction that it was nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The agony in the garden as he sought the Father's will and it says that his sweat became great drops of blood. Can you picture yourself? Can you imagine being in the garden where here he was in total submission to the Father? And so Luke, who was a physician, made sure the details were given to us as a physician. And he says it was great drops of blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many know that song? If you know it, it is a song that you ought to sing with great conviction as the worship team we leads us believe that join with them, shall we? the trial. Jesus, now being betrayed by Judas finds himself in a place where he oftentimes would go to pray. Judas, knowing the patterns and the habits of the Savior, he is so consistent. And he will be consistent in your life for those who believe. Amen. Exactly where Judas told me he would be, he was there. Knowing that he was about to be betrayed, knowing he was about to go to the cross, he still finds himself at the place where he oftentimes will go. Isn't that amazing about Jesus that he knows exactly where you are? In the darkest place of your life, Jesus is consistently 
going to show up. In the place of confusion sometimes, the place of not understanding, the place that when the children may not be acting right or acting funny, Jesus is consistent to be where he tells you he is going to be. So he makes the journey to the garden. And the religious leaders now thought we have him. They send a, a band of soldiers to go and to arrest him. And the one point I want to make before we look at the six trials of which Jesus went through, six, was that when they ask, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He opened his mouth and as all of heaven was at attention, he says these words, I am he. And the soldiers who have been trained from a youth, these soldiers who were part of the, of the army that would defend the nation, when the words, I am he, was uttered, they fell back. Woo! Soldiers who knew that their footing was important to advance against the enemy. Soldiers who understood that they had to tie their feet and make sure it was shot with the preparation for warfare. Heard the words of the Savior who at one point broke his body and, and the blood. He comes and says, I am he. And again, they fell back. I'm here to tell you, gathering places, there's no circumstance, there's no situation that you are facing that if you utter the name of Jesus, Amen. it's got to bow. It's got to bow. That's the Savior that you and I serve, and that is the Savior that we believe, that we believe. So they get him, and they arrest him. It was at that six trials, and how the enemy works to try to destroy your integrity. But God is so faithful. Because he is the God of justice. Mm. Hallelujah. The trial was illegal. The first thing they did was they arrested him at night. And that was not allowed. There's something that happens at nighttime. Mm. And even the court of public opinion would tell us that a trial at night was illegal, but yet they went against their own laws. What kind of man is Jesus that the religious leaders who were trained from a youth, who would know the way that the law should be executed, would break their own law to arrest this man, this one that claimed to be the son of God? So they arrested Jesus, and they now brought him. And the first trial that he faced was he was facing the trial before Aeneas. Who is this person that they brought Jesus to? It's interesting because the scripture says that he was the former high priest. They bring him to someone who used to be in, in a position. They bring him. At night, and they bring him to his home. And, and one historian said the reason why they brought him to 
Aeneas first was, Aeneas was bidding for time for them to finish their plot of how they were going to get rid of this, this Jesus person. They were, actually, they were, they were trying to buy time so that they could assemble the, 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 the people who were going to so-called be witnesses. And so they bring them before him and and if you ever been to court, and when they says, all rise, the honorable judge is coming, and they take their seat, and they bring him before this former high priest, and they have him, and he comes, and he's, he's asking questions. Now, it's interesting. Why did they bring him to this person first? Well, he was the father-in-law of, of Caiaphas, who was the high priest, and but do you remember when Jesus walked into the temple? Do you remember the day when he walked into his father's house and he, he saw what they were doing, that they were bringing in animals and there were money changers there. And you notice that Jesus in his righteous vexation, he came and he, and he overthrew the tables and he made a whip and he whipped and he says, get out of here with those things. Take those things out of my father's house. The high priest at the time was this man. He says, I may not have gotten you then, Jesus, but I will get you. You overthrew my business. You, you came and interrupted, and you came and interrupted my system. I'm here to tell that Jesus will interrupt every religious system if it doesn't point back to God. And let's be careful that we don't look at Easter as another religious event, that we lose its power, we lose its promise, we lose the passion behind it. So he brings them to this, to this former high priest. No witnesses are there, and they're asking questions. They're breaking every law that is imaginable. And that's how the enemy works. He will use anybody. He will use anything. He will break laws. He will not follow the rules. I'm telling you, that's why you cannot give your life over to the enemy. You cannot give him any place in your life because he will take an inch, and he will continue to take another inch. He will take another inch, and, you take an, and he will continue until he finally consumes you like he did Judas, who after being used when he committed suicide because he gave the enemy his heart. And so they bring him before and so after that, the second trial was now to Caiaphas. They, they bring him to the high priest, and, and he's here now, and he's, he's questioning Jesus. He is, he is asking him questions. And, and at this point, what they're trying to do is to say that he's breaking the religious laws. He, he, he's doing things that's against the, the laws of Moses. There was one place where Jesus healed somebody, and the person came back healed and rejoicing. And they said, I don't care about your healing. It was on the Sabbath day. Your healing don't count. You see, when somebody gets healed by the blood of Jesus, that's an opportunity for us to shout and to rejoice and to give God praise. As we believe. I remember what they were like before. But look at them now. They're rejoicing. They're celebrating. We believe that God is able to heal. He's able to set us free. They go before the second trial. And Caiaphas, the high priest, in, in, in John 18, 24, and at this time they're hitting him and they're, they're trying to do everything to get him riled up to, to go against what he knows to be the will of God for his life. 
The third trial is that he now goes before the Sanhedrin council. These were the religious leaders of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that made up the council. And, and these were the people that, that Rome had given authority over that they can govern the affairs of Israel and, and the religious things. And, and, and so therefore they had weight and they had voice. And so he comes before the Sanhedrin council and, and they're asking him questions, trying to get him to a place of where he is going to, to blaspheme. He's going to go against the, the rules and and Jesus makes statements during these times, and, and they rip the robe, and they says, oh, blasphemy, why do we need anybody else? He is, he is claiming to be, he's claiming to be God. And their plan worked. Because now they said, we now must take him before the Roman authority. You see, the Sanhedrin council, Caiaphas and, 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 and Aeneas, they only had authority um, according to religious belief, but they wanted him crucified. And so they said, we've got to go to the Roman authority. We've got to go to them and seek permission because we want him crucified. We want him crucified. And so the fourth tri trial is they go before Pilate. They go before Pilate. It is now approximately 6.30 a.m., 7 o'clock in the morning, and they bring him to Pilate. And isn't it interesting, if you study uh, history, if you study biblical history, what happens is they couldn't go into the place where Pilate was, so they stayed outside, and they beckoned, Pilate, we need you now. You've got to come now. And Pilate walks out to them and says, what is going on? We have somebody here that we want you to try. We have somebody here that needs to go on trial. And because we're under the Roman authority, we need your voice now to agree with our voice. It's dangerous when religion connects with politics. It's a very dangerous thing when those two people are in bed together. And I'm here to tell you as a nation, we must be careful that we are the greatest institution on the planet. The church is God's instrument of redemption to the world we will not be swayed one way or the other we will stand for righteousness and our voice will be heard why because nothing but the blood of Jesus we believe we believe so Pilate comes out and he questions Jesus and he asks him and he's given some philosophical answer when Jesus talks about truth he says but what is truth what is truth? What is truth, Kelly? What is truth? Pilate asked the question. And so Pilate now says, I, I see nothing in this man that is warrant of, of him dying. I don't see anything. And, and the priest said, well, in Galilee he was making all these statements. And so Pilate says, yes, I got a way out now. I can... I can now find a way to, to wiggle my way out of this. And he says, send him to Herod then. Send him to King Herod. Trial number five is before King Herod. And so they usher him off to King Herod and he brings him. And King Herod heard about the miracles he was doing. And all King Herod wanted was for Jesus to do some magic, to do some signs. He wasn't interested in the Savior. He was interested in the signs. He wasn't interested in the blood. He was interested in the signs. And we got to be careful that we don't follow after signs, but signs follow the believers. Don't let anybody try to 
conjure you up to do some sign to prove that Jesus Christ is real. No, the power of God inside of you, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleansed you is going to be the evidence because we still believe. Jesus doesn't fall for that. Here, I'm not here to be some entertainment. I'm not here to be some sort of program. I'm not just here to be your beck and call. You will not use me as your play toy. No, no, no. I am the son of God. I am the son of God. And Herod sends him back to Pilate. Pilate thought, I got rid of this person. I got out of this thing. I don't, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And he, he now comes back to Pilate. And here he is now. He's before Pilate. And John 18, 39 and Luke 23 talks about it. And, 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 and he says, now, I find no fault with this. But he goes, oh, yes, another wiggle room, another wiggle room. Your law states that once a year I can release a prisoner. That I can release somebody. Who do you want? And that question is being asked today. This question is being asked all over America. It's being asked all over the world. Who do you want? It's like I got Jesus on this side. But over here I have Barabbas. Who do you want? And they yelled. And they yelled. And they yelled. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. The world is still uttering those words. Give us Barabbas. Pilate then walks over and he is the final, the final decision is, is with Pilate. I find no fault in this man. Give us Barabbas. He says, what do I do? My wife had a dream about this man. What, 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 what do I do? My wife had a dream about him. And now here I stand here. I stand between this man's freedom and this man's death. Every option I tried has not worked out. Every loophole I tried to use hasn't been able to be successful. And here I stand now. And they yell, give us Barabbas. And if you don't do that, you're not a friend of Caesar's. What? Don't bring him into this place. I'm already in trouble with this guy. If they find out that there's another insurrection, if they find there's another rebel, rebellion going on, I may lose my seat. I've got to make a decision. Do I want to be in trouble with Caesar or do I want to set Christ free? But I, I find no fault in him. And he finally says, he says, as he gets his hand, come Kobe, and he, he looks and he, he, his conscience is, is eating him, and he says, I have to wash my hands of, of, of this. And he, he washes his hands because he's now, I find no fault in this man, but he's, he's trying to wash off the, the things he's trying to, he's trying to, and that's people who are trying to use religion and trying to use politics to wash away, but nothing but the blood of Jesus and he's trying to get between his fingers and he's he's trying to wash away the decision he's got to make it but only the word can wash him clean but he's looking at the word in front of him and he he now realizes that he has to make a decision he he wipes his hands and he now says this and 
In Matthew 27, verse 24, verse 25, Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing, so he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled, We take responsibility for his death. We and our children owe the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The responsibility is yours. We will take responsibility and our children. Oh, the blood of Jesus. We believe. We believe. We believe that that trial was illegal. And as Pilate tried to wash away the blood, thank God, oh, the blood, it is our victory. The verdict was in, guilty. Crucify him, says Pilate. Now we find our journey leaving the courtroom and now heading towards the cross, the tree. As we turn our attention to the tree, Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says this, because God is the judge. He says, by canceling the record of death that stood against you and I with his legal demand, the Bible says, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, to the cross. And Jesus went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic, Aramaic excuse me, is called Golgotha. And then Pilate gives this instruction, says, right on there, king of the Jews. And he says, to make sure every nation will know who he is in Latin, in Hebrew, in Aramaic. The cross is the love language. The cross is written in every language of humanity. The cross represents our legal demands that God was satisfied because his son was sacrificed. So now it says it was the sixth hour and darkness came upon the earth. It's approximately 9 a.m. now and he's crucified. He's, he's on the cross and Jesus and his love. I call this now the six hours of the Savior. Listen to the seven things that Jesus says. And one of them you may identify with. But here are the seven things that Jesus in the six hours, the Savior was on, was on the cross. And we see the, the sundial up there. And as time kept ticking, Jesus kept speaking. The first thing he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Wow. 
The second thing, it says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Speaking to the thief that was on the cross, who was guilty, who says, we have done things that are worthy of death, but this man has done nothing. He says, please, can I be with you? Forgive me. And he says, you will be with me in paradise. It's never too late. Never too late. To confess Jesus Christ as Savior. Never too late. I don't care what the rascal is doing. I don't care what your loved one is doing right now. Let them know it's never too late. Why? Because we believe. We believe. The third thing, Jesus now being the firstborn had the responsibility of taking care of his mother who never left his side. And he says now, dear woman, here is your son. And he says to John, here now is your mother. Even on the cross, Jesus fulfilled the responsibility. Wow, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. Number four, he cries out after all the agony and all the pain and taking the whipping and taking the beating and the nails in his hand. He finally cries out, and you may have found yourself here at one time or another, or you might get on your journey before you get to heaven. You may get to this place where you say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoted from the Psalms that many times David felt this way as he was obeying God and doing what God told him to do. And he was uh, living for God. And there were times when you and I would ask the question, my God, my God. Someone cry out, my God. Why have you forsaken me? He goes on and he says, he cries out. The fifth saying is, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Number six, which is very familiar to many of us, and to maybe those who are watching on video, you didn't get an opportunity to gather at a church service, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus, with everything in him, with everything in him, he finally says, it is finished. I raise my voice not because you are deaf, I raise my voice to the devil to know that you are defeated. Amen. And there are times when the enemy comes against you and you can't lower your voice. You've got to increase the decimals. And you've got to look that enemy straight in the face. You've got to tell him, it is finished. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. You will leave my children. You will leave my mind alone. Hey, glory to God. And finally, he now bows his head and says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, why did he go through these six hours of agony and pain? Here's the reason Galatians 3.13 tells us is because we were cursed. But Paul writes under this person, the Holy Spirit says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for you and I. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. He took every sin, every depression, every heartache, every troubled teen, every rebellious child. He took everything, every lust, every pride, every pornography, you name it. He took it and it was nailed. To the cross. Amen. He redeemed us. God Almighty. Yeah, yeah. If you've been redeemed, open up your mouth and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
If you know what it's like to be free, say thank you, Jesus. It's Good Friday. Come on, I know it's a dark day, but Jesus. I know it's a dark day, but Jesus. I, I don't know if this is part of the Bible, but people say that hell was rejoiced and everything like that. I don't know, but all I know is that Jesus redeemed you and I from the curse. And he gives us the cure. We have the remedy for every sickness. Doctors are trying to find cures for every sort of disease that exists. But we have the answer. We have the cure. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you and I are healed. Someone say, I'm healed. I'm healed spiritually. Someone say, I'm healed spiritually. I'm healed emotionally. Come on. And I will be healed physically. Come on. It is finished. It is finished. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My God, Gary, it is finished. <laughs> you keep believing, my brother. You keep believing. Good God Almighty. Woo. Every time you walk in this building, you strengthen my faith. Every time I see you tell me by not even saying one word, I still believe. Come on, church. Hallelujah. This is Good Friday. And the reason why we look at it is because of this. These seven words that Jesus uttered, what do we call them? For you and I who have been healed, and as we go out there and tell people about this Savior, and they say, why is it that you glow? Why is it that you rejoice? Why is it that you still believe? Here's what you tell them. Today at work, I was talking to a coworker, and I was just showing off and telling about my wife. And I said, she's awesome. She's amazing. She's bold and beautiful. And let me tell you again, every single one of you ladies here, you are bold and you are beautiful. Come on, you are bold and you are beautiful. We are starting a movement. Come on, somebody. We are starting a movement in Marion that every single female will look at them and says, you are healed. Don't let the enemy speak to you. Anything else, you are healed. You are bold and beautiful. And she said to me, oh, my goodness, you're, you're, it's, you're so amazing. I said, no. The reason why is because I call it grace. I call it grace. What you hear from me is the grace of God. What you hear from me is the grace of God that's being uttered. For it was by grace we are saved and not a voice that any man should boast. It's because Jesus is the cure and by his stripes we are healed. Open up your mouth and say, I call it grace. Come on one more time. Say, I call it grace. Those who are watching, we call it grace, and this grace is available to you, and 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 to every single one of you. Let's sing it. Call it grace. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. That is for somebody tonight. Call, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Amen. You may be seated. One of the great privileges that I have as 
the lead pastor of. These amazing and gifted people that's before me. And the many that will call this place their church. The one thing that they will be able to say is thank God for his grace. When you enter this building, the seat beside you should have had a card that says, We believe. I asked you earlier to put your name on that card. We started this journey at the communion table. Now we turn our attention to the covenant. I believe it is so fitting right now as the presence of the Lord is thick in this place that we should participate in a covenant meal as prescribed and instructed by Jesus and continue on by the Apostle Paul. If Kobe can come at this time again and serve the people, please take one of these elements. Allow me the privilege, please, as the lead pastor, to lead you into a time of reflecting on the covenant. Make sure everybody who is a believer participates. How many are familiar with one of these cups that have the bread on the top and the juice on the inside. We've seen these before, right? Tonight I want you to see this differently. I want you not to throw this out, but I want you to place it somewhere in your home and, 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 and you can have it as a symbol of remembrance of I still believe that Jesus who went to the cross and and died on the cross as Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus went to Pilate and says, can we have permission to, to take the body and to, and to prepare it for its burial, removing it from being during the time of the Sabbath, and Pilate gave them permission. All day tomorrow, tomorrow is Saturday, tomorrow is considered the Sabbath day. And all day tomorrow... And here, I believe, on Mount Vernon Avenue, there's a church that typically has live uh, uh, guards that, that, that are there, and they're out there. And, and throughout Saturday, here he was in the tomb, and, and, and Sunday, we're going to talk about the tomb. Sunday is a time of, of great celebration. It's about the power of the resurrection. But before we get there, I want you to look at these elements, and I want you to remember that, that we still, we still believe. We still believe. We still believe in Jesus. Every time you do this, you show forth my death. Can you imagine Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus as they were gently holding the body of Christ and preparing him? No bones were broken because the scripture says not one of his bones were broken. You know what that means? That means he's completed the work. You are a complete work. Yeah. And every time you remember this, you show forth this, this grace. So let me invite you, please, to go and to remove the top part of this cup. And
and hold the, the bread in one hand and be ever so careful. If you're at home as well and you're watching this and you want to participate in communion and in this covenant, we invite you to do that as well. To get something, a bread or something, a cracker or whatever. But this is such a rich moment. How many are experiencing the presence of the Lord right now? I know I am. And here's what I believe, that he is at your home right now. I don't know what you left when you came tonight, but I know that Jesus is at your home right now. And as you are participating in this covenant, you are saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my home as well. Be the Lord of my life. So he takes the bread and he says, this, this is my body broken for you. Eat. And remember, to me, go ahead and eat. Father, we thank you for the body that was broken for us. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. With the hand that's free now because you've just eaten the bread. Can you just wave that hand in this place? Can you just allow me the freedom? I just sense the presence of the Lord is here. He's at your home right now. Yes, yes, Lord. He is. He's at your home, Charlie. He's, he's doing a great work, Karen. Yes. Elder. He's doing a work. He's doing a work. Doris, he's doing a work. You bold and beautiful woman. Yes. Yes, he is. Ian, he's doing a great work in your life. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Father, thank you for the work you're doing in Ian's life right now in the name of Jesus. It's a good work that you're doing, Lord. This bread that was broken for you. Oh, go ahead and wave that hand just one more time. Go ahead and wave it. Thank you, Jesus. I sense your presence. My time is quickly going, but I just want to take a moment and say thank you, Jesus. The same night he took the cup and he said, this is, this is my blood that was shed for you. As long as you, you, you drink of it, you do show forth the Lord's death. Go ahead now.